It's Old Timey Crimey, Halloween Edition. All October, Christy and Scott will be trick-or-treating you to the spookiest in vintage crime. Each week in October, you'll shiver to the tales of the Mad Gasser of Mattoon, the Croglin Grange Vampire, Spring Heel Jack, and the Bell Witch. So gather round the campfire, boys and ghouls, and listen to a true spooky tale from Christy and Scott. <laughs> In modern times, vampires have become romantic figures, erotic beings brimming with sexuality. We have Bella Lugosi to thank for that. We mere mortals swoon at the thought of being taken by a handsome Edward Cullen or sharing a night of passion with the sensual and barely clothed Vampirella. But the original vampire was nothing to be lusted over. A pungent, reanimated corpse, nothing more than a parasite that was once human. Don't believe us? Sit back and listen to the tale of the Croglin Grange Vampire. Y'all listening to Old Tiny Crimey. Crimes from the golden age of yesteryear. Now, here's your host, Christy and Scott. It's old timey crimey. I'm Christy. I am an excited Scott. <laughs> I always love your prefaces or how you decide to introduce yourself. It's been an exciting week. It's been a really exciting week. Man, the numbers are really climbing. You guys who were the early adopters should be very proud of yourselves that you you, you found us early. And you guys who are new to us, hi. H- how you doing? We're very happy to see you. My God, you're attractive. <laughs> yes, yes. You smell delicious. Oh my god, the hair. <laughs> Except for those of you with shaved heads, which, by the way, good fashion choice. You are rocking that. Mm. So, how's your week? It's been really exciting. I have gotten just the the biggest, the biggest, like, buzz. Yeah. Coming off the fact that number five on the top movers list for Stitcher. Yeah. That was incredible. That was nuts. That was... <laughs> Whenever I found it, and I found it quite by accident, I just went, okay, I want to Google old-timey crimey, see what's out there. And then, like, second page of Google. And it's just like, what's Chartable? I don't understand this. (laughs) I've never heard of Chartable. Is this a new podcasting host? Are we on Chartable? And I click it, and it's like, top movers? What? (laughs) What? I got to call Christy. Yeah, yeah. That, and that was an amazing call to get. Like, just hearing that, I was like, oh, what's Scott up to? And I get the call, and I'm like, oh, okay. Oh, okay. All of a sudden, get that, like, like butterflies in my stomach and get a little shaky. Yeah. You know? I mean, I get a little shaky anyhow because I have tremors, but... But yeah, that was... This has been an amazing week, and we are so happy that all of you are here. Um, I have a little something special to Ooh. share with everybody. Uh... This will have been, I think, a couple weeks ago at this point that you heard the fascinating story of O.C. Sneed, who just happens to look a lot like me and listen to my emotional breakdown (laughs) as I dealt with that. Also had some fun therapy time. Uh, yeah, I know. It seems ridiculous that I had to deal with that in therapy, but it just, it, it, it was just kind of hanging over my head and I'm, I'm feeling much better now. But so friend of the show, Jamie, we've, we've heard of her before. Uh, she's, she's been mentioned in recent episodes and actually was the first person to suggest an episode for us. Uh, she, I believe, I think she was, mm-hmm. <laughs> I hope I'm not slighting somebody who has suggested one before her. Uh, so she sent me a message the other day that was just 
I got chills and I also wanted to cry at the same time, but in like the good way. And she gave me permission to read it on the air. So my initial reaction to your startling resemblance to O.C. Sneed was, oh my God, Kristen's a ghost. I go by Kristen to my like younger friends, of course. friends from my younger days. But now that I've had time to think about this, I realize that's a little silly. You're not a ghost, but your dad is definitely a witch. As I was painting my front door this weekend, I listened to your OC podcast and had some time to think this through. It makes so much sense now. Unlike most witchy families where the witch genes pass down from mother to daughter, the witchiness in your family passes from father to son. Think about it. Your dad traveling for work or traveling around for witch stuff. Where's your brother? Traveling around to work in the woods across the country and backpacking through random lands? Or traveling the world, supplying the rest of the witch community with exotic ingredients for their various spells and potions? Someone has to collect all the Eye of Newt. So back to you. In the early 80s, your parents had one kid and wanted another, so your dad goes and casts a new baby spell. When he makes his request to the spirit world, the spirits were like, does it have to be a brand new baby soul? And your dad was like, well, yeah, I don't want a used baby soul. But then after some back and forth, the spirit world explains that they have a sad little O.C. Sneed soul floating around, so your dad makes a deal that he gets a super cool baby soul if he agrees to also let little O.C. Sneed soul piggyback in with the cool baby soul. So little O.C. Sneed has been hanging out in the back of your mind, getting to experience through you all the stuff she missed out on because her awful family stole away her life. That little O.C. soul unconsciously influenced subtle things like how you smile or wear your hair or carry your shoulder so over time you have come to resemble her appearance. When you feel like you really need to do something, like, I don't know, see France? Maybe that's O.C. way back in your mind putting that thought into your head. Yes, a little weird for you now that you know about it, but it's also sweet that you've kind of helped make up for all that O.C. missed out on. Keep listening to that voice in your head that encourages you to try new things and explore new places. But if that little voice in your head starts saying things about how good your cousin is looking, then tell O.C. to shut the fuck up. <laughs> That's sweet. <laughs> I think you have a new novel idea. I think I kind of do. Like my doppelganger is like also in my head or something. Mm-hmm. I don't even know. But yeah, that was... Getting that was like, it, it, it did kind of, I know that, I don't believe in a lot of supernatural stuff, but thinking about it that way did kind of make it a comfort and make me feel good, even though, you know, I know it's just a mm-hmm. silly idea. So, but yeah, and I would like to, everybody, you know, just that, that's, that's my advice to you, Jamie's advice to you, and Osi's advice to you. L- listen to that voice, the voice that tells you to incur, uh, try new things, explore new places, and 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 don't get with your cousin. Also, that. there we go. <laughs> don't fuck your cousin. Nobody in uh, this week's story is is that we know of. Uh, no, uh, doing the, doing the nasty with their cousin. No, no, no. It's it, just just unwholesome nastiness in general. Yes, yes, yes. It is. This is the Vampire of Croglin Grange, our ongoing Halloween series. Booga, 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 booga. <laughs> it, this, this, one's, this one's one that's a favorite for me. Mm-hmm. Because my uncle, whenever I was about eight or nine years old, we, my uncle lived in Mogador, Ohio, just outside of Akron. And whenever I would go out there, he had a couple of books that he didn't want, and he would hand me one book mm. every time. And one of the books that he handed me, it was he had a whole bunch of them. But one of the books that he handed me was this like kind of it was kind of like a time life collection before time life did collections. It was called Out of This World, the Illustrated Library of the Bizarre and Extraordinary. And it was 
it was a, a, a series of fascinating books where it was just, it was essentially in search of, if you remember that old mm, TV show, yeah, yeah, yeah. but in convenient book form that I could take in the car with me. Yeah. And on the cover of this one, I brought along with me is the very famous illustration of the Croglin Grange vampire, which honestly uh, doesn't really resemble what the story says the Croglin Grange vampire looked like whatsoever. Not really. So we will not... If you just Google the word Croglin Grange vampire, you're going to see the artwork that I'm referring to. It's a woman sitting on her bed and a vampire like bursting through the, the, the windows and just like... Yeah, and he looks kind of chubby. Yeah, our, yeah. Our, our vampire wasn't chubby. There's the glowing eyes. Yeah, there's no glowing eyes. He, it's. I mean, it's it's very true to what a vampire should look like. He, mm-hmm. the, the rat faced Nosferatu. Yes, yes. You can see where the inspiration for that drawing came from. Absolutely, absolutely. But it is it is an interesting story. Our our story, uh, first appears in this book called The Story of My Life. And it's sometimes titled In My Solitary Life by uh, Augustus Hare. He was a writer and a raconteur. A raconteur. Whatever that is. <laughs> Basically just a storyteller, like somebody who's really good mm-hmm. at telling stories and you know adding the right details in the right places and captivating audiences. So Jeff Foxworthy. Mm, I just did, no. I just did that to piss Christy <laughs> off. Just to see the look on my face. <laughs> so yeah, it was written in the 1890s. And in this book, which is basically just seems to be... It's an autobiographical novel, or autobiography, essentially, a memoir. And it, it just is a lot of anecdotes about his life and stories that he's gotten from other people, some just normal, some not. It, it's almost just like a journal. Like, sometimes he's like, oh, today I went to dinner with so-and-so. Yeah, if you want to get, like, a good description of what the book is, it's essentially how how much he loved his adopted mom and how unhappy he was with home education. Yeah. That's what the book's about. Mm-hmm. With some occasional creepy stories that he gets from people sprinkled in, in fact... I guess some reviewers said that that was really where he, he, he shined, was in the creepy stories, that <laughs> he should probably just stick to those. <laughs> so the story actually comes to Augustus Hare from Captain Edward Fisher or Edward Fisher Rao. It, it's listed differently. Sometimes it's got the hyphenated Rao and sometimes it doesn't. Who said that it came from his own family who had lived for hundreds of years at this uh, the single-story farmhouse in Croglin Grange or named Croglin Grange, which was in the county of Cumberland in Northwest England. And of course, I had to go and I wanted to look up some information about the, the county and I wanted to look at it in, on Google Maps. And Google Maps is like, this isn't a thing. You want to go to Cumberland, Maryland? And I'm like, nope, wrong, wrong continent. Wrong, wrong Cumberland. So yeah, wrong Cumberland. So yeah, it was a county. It was a county, keyword, uh, in the northwestern part of England, almost, almost right up by the tip. And uh, it no longer, as of 1974, officially exists because they did some, you know, incorporation and moving things around. Uh, So it was combined with parts of other counties to form Cumbria. Uh, But Croglin Grange itself is in Carlisle, which got kicked out of Cumberland in 1914 for reasons either unknown or that I was unwilling to read about. (laughs) And this is weird because we're hearing a lot of names from England that we are extremely familiar with. Cumbria, we live in Cambria, Cambria County. County. Carlisle is a city in Pennsylvania. Um, Cumberland is a city 
might as well be Pennsylvania. It's it's literally two minutes across the border. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're going to be talking Salisbury. Salisbury kind of makes an appearance. Salisbury, England in this. Salisbury, where I grew up, Salisbury, Pennsylvania. So you can really start to see the English influence in this area just by the way we named the towns. Oh, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's very clear. Uh, I did have... It's not technically applicable because Krogland Grange is not in Cumberland or not where Cumberland was, but Cumberland still has a place in our hearts and minds with the Cumberland Sausage, Mm. which is a 21-inch long coil of sausage seasoned predominantly with white and black pepper. I think that all English food is based on some sort of dare. (laughs) Yeah, you said that before and I fully agree with you. (laughs) Sorry, Brits, we know you're listening. But you know, and also we, as we've said before, we eat weird shit too. I've made a soup. It's nothing. You ever cut a hot dog in half and you see the little white bits inside? (laughs) This soup is nothing but the white bits inside of a hot dog. (laughs) Eat up. Yum. Let me tell you the joys of boiling. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of eating food, you know me. Whenever we go to England, I have to collect the names of some pubs and some inns because I'm fascinated. So, here are some pubs and inns in the Carlisle area. You have the Duke of Cumberland, so retaining some of that, the old name in the area. The Sally, which I think is where I would hang out. I think so. I I would definitely hang out at the Sally. The Queen Inn, the Crown Inn, the Royal, theme, very, very, very thematic. The Fox Inn. Boy, they love their monarchy over there, don't they? Some of them hate it, <laughs> from my understanding. It's, it's, it's mixed feelings, mixed feelings. I think we love their monarchy more than more, many of them do. Uh, and then you have the Fox Inn, the Pheasant Inn, and the Fox and Pheasant Inn. I think I would go to the Fox and Pheasant Inn, because that's my variety. There you go. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. just thought it was weird that all these places are within like a couple square miles, like, and they're all like named. You can't say anybody was necessarily poaching names off of anybody. Just because it's probably just what everybody named things exactly. back then, and everything in England is like a thousand years old. You know. And we're going to see that the the a little bit later on, there's going to come into some speculation. Did Crogland Grange even exist? Yeah. Yeah. And yes, yes, Crogland Grange did exist, spoilers ahead, but it's going to be a thing where people just name things, things. Yeah, yeah. You know, so so yeah, we have that. The first thing I kind of thought was, did Captain Fisher actually exist? Because there's, there's some question as to whether Amelia and her brothers, uh, the main players in our show, existed. Mm-hmm. So I did a little bit of research here. Yes, Captain Edward Fisher Rowe did exist. He was born November 8th, uh, 1832, died sometime in 1909, not quite certain. He was an army officer from a prominent family, and he told Augustus this story in the weirdest place. Like, you would think, like, Augustus got told this story in a campfire by a marsh, you know, and... And, oh, it was a hot and stormy night in Cumberland, it was. <laughs> but no, he's told this story at Captain Fisher's wedding to not just like, not, it is my wife, Sally. I named her after the bar. Have you been watching My Fair Lady? I have. <laughs> so, he ends up marrying Lady Victoria Isabella Liddell in 1874. It's a beautiful name. Isn't it? And I found a few photos of her, not photos, but, you know, 
portraits of her, a beautiful woman mm. as well, as opposed to the horribleness that we see so often. <laughs> I'm looking at you, Belle Gunnis, you fist of a woman. Uh, <laughs> We're looking at you, Virginia Ward Lamar. Oh my God, I was I just made a guess. I was completely right that she looked like Carl Malden. Yeah, go to our Facebook page if you've listened to the O.C. Sneed episode, and we put up a side-by-side of some of the, the Sneed sisters with some of their potential lookalikes, and it's, we, we were kind of dead on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he tells this story, and it's about his, his family home, Crogland Grange, but his family had, according to the tale, left the house. They got too big for it, too rich for it, and it's a single-story farmhouse mm-hmm. that's not totally convenient for most people. Um, so I don't know if they have very many basements or cellars in England, but that's not, you know, it doesn't seem like a great amount of space and you do want some separation between your living area and your sleeping area. So yeah, they left and they leased it out to purportedly, uh, a, a family called the Cranswells. This is a sister and two brothers, Amelia, Edward, and Michael. And this was in 1875 and it was for a seven year term, according to some sources. So I would like to know, in Augustus Hare's original book, so I kept on seeing these names here and there. Sometimes it was just Amelia and her brothers. Sometimes it was all three names mentioned. But in Augustus Hare's book, in the story he relates from Captain Fisher Rao, there are no names of the siblings. So those names must have gotten added on in one of the many later versions that came along. It's in your your, your out-of-this-world book, I noticed. So, yeah, this family, these three siblings, the, the... the Fisher family got a lot of great references from them, from, from local people. They were said to be very kind, and they absolutely loved the Grange. It really worked for them, that single-story farmhouse. And they got to be pretty popular in the area. They, they set about you know meeting people and getting to know people. They seemed like very nice, sociable, normal people. Nothing you know really to complain about that I can see. They're there for, for the entire winter and spring. Everything seems normal. Nothing, you know, just just plugging right along, living life, getting to know the people, living kind of in the country. And so their first summer there, there's just a boiling hot day. Like one of those days when you just can't even accomplish anything because it's just too hot. Yeah. And sources vary wildly on this. Some of them say they had a light dinner. Some of them say they were entertaining. They were entertaining guests over at the house. But... After everything was done, they decided that they're going, as as we just got done doing on a hot day, they were going to relax on the veranda and stare at the moon. Exactly. Yeah, they just sat out and relaxed and watched the, uh, the sun set and the moon rise. And it was, by all accounts, a lovely evening. You know, it was probably starting to cool down a little bit, but not a lot because they do this and then Amelia goes to bed. She's got the window closed, but the shutters open. Probably trying to keep out insects. Or mm-hmm. I don't think they had too many screens. I don't even know if they have screens there now. There's not much use for it. They don't have very many heat waves. So she just lays back on the bed, props herself up with a pillow. Bedroom doors are locked, and she's just watching the night. Is there anything worse than trying to sleep on a, on hot, a bed I, on a hot day? Oh, my gosh. I know. Yeah, it's it's really rough. You're, you're already sweating. And I like to be under some sort of a cover, even if it's just a thin sheet. I feel like I need that for sleeping in a bed. It's it just a requirement. It keeps the goblins out. Exactly. I'm very afraid of the goblins. You know that, Scott. So, yeah, when I can't even have a, a, a sheet over me, it's, it's unbearable. There, 
It is, it's horrible because you start to sweat and the sweat oozes into the sheets and eventually into the mattress itself and your head starts to stick to the pillow. And the only hope that you have is that like the next day, there are some, those some like beautiful days where like the next day you wake up and it's cool and you're naked on the bed mm -hmm. and the wind is blowing right up the crack of your ass. <laughs> and, it's, and those are glorious days. What a lovely picture you paint. Thank you very much. Ah. Oh. Ah. Oh. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so she's watching now next to the house. Um like outside what what her view from the window. There's a little grove of trees and then beyond that there's a church and a graveyard. It's all very, you know, picturesque with with, with ever so slightly a creepy vibe. And I, for one, am here for it. I love that idea. I, we almost got a house that was next to a cemetery where uh, all the graves had Cyrillic writing on them. So it was something, I'm guessing Russian, maybe like, like Russian Orthodox. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I was all about that. I was like, that is fantastic. Do you want to be bitten by a vampire? Because that's how you get bit by a vampire, Christy. Apparently. Yes. So Amelia is looking out the window, just kind of, just kind of, you know, gazing off. It's the English equivalent of counting sheep. Yeah. And well, I'm sure they also can count sheep. Yeah. <laughs> they probably true. have more than we do. That's, that's <laughs> true. That's true. But I think counting sheep for England, I think that's an exciting prospect for them. You're really it's bashing a, on the Brits. I'm not bashing. I love British uh, everything yeah. except for the food. <laughs> um, no, like even some of the English ones. I, I love you, Elizabeth Hurley. That's all I can say. Uh, Hugh Grant, how dare you? Um, but Amelia sees these two pinpoints of light. She believes them to be will-of-the-wisps at first. Um, will-of-the-wisps are kind of like this ethereal something or other. Originally, they're believed to be like little ghosts. Uh, but these lights are often seen in humid areas. It was a very hot night, mm -hmm. so we know, yes. Uh, they have no obvious cause, but it's believed they may be caused by the oxidation of phosphine, diphosphane, and methane from organic decay. So mm. you, you are right next to the woods. You've got the leaves still rotting from the winter coming up through the summer. And a cemetery. Exactly. So you may get a little bit of organic decay. Mm -hmm. I've never seen Will-O-The-Wisp. I've never seen spook lights. There are some famous examples, though. The Marfa lights of Texas are considered to be spook lights. The Brown Mountain lights of North Carolina. The Naga fireballs, we talked about that just off the show here about two or three weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. The Naga fireballs of Mekong, Thailand, and very close, the Romney Marsh of England is very famous for having spook lights, yeah. Will of the Wisps. So this is not something that's uncommon. Uh, a lot of you are probably out there going like, well, what about fireflies? England has no fireflies. How? Do they enjoy their summer nights? Oh my gosh. With a, a piping hot bowl of white hot dog bit soup. <laughs> and just watching the sheep walk by and going, Oh, that's one. That's two. Three, four, five. There's a clump of them there. A menage of sheep. <laughs> yeah, I love... Just watching the fireflies, they tend to gather. You've seen them in the summer oh, yeah. in our in our orchard area, and I just it, it it entranced me when we first moved in. I was just absolutely so delighted to just to sit on the deck and just watch them just flickering all throughout the night. It's yeah, it's beautiful. British people, 
come to America in the summertime and see our fireflies. It's really neat. It's no, really cool. Here's what you need to do. Bring a jar, poke some holes in the top, and transplant the fireflies. They are the most cuddly insect you'll ever see in your <laughs> life. You, it's an invasive species that you want. Exactly. Yes, yes. And there are some areas, just a couple, one of them in the Allegheny National Forest, which is my hometown stomping grounds. Mm -hmm. And then one of them somewhere in South America. And there might be one in Asia, I'm thinking, where they have the synchronous fireflies. They light up all at the same time. Man. And it's only like a, a, a short window of time during the year that you can see them. But oh, every year I'm like, we're going to go up and see the synchronous fireflies. And every year I fail. This year, I swear, this coming summer, I'm going, I'm doing it. Got to scratch that off the list. So, so she's watching these lights and they just are flickering and they're sort of like moving around. And she starts to notice they're staying exactly the same distance apart from mm -hmm. each other. Mm -hmm. And she's slowly as this these lights come a little bit closer as it emerges from the trees she sees that they're actually part of a humanoid figure these are eyes mm -hmm. on something glowing eyes and the figure dashes up to the farmhouse like really inhumanly fast and she is absolutely terrified she wants to escape but here's the thing her only escape is through the door the window and the door are close to each other she can't get to the door without getting closer to the scary thing, which I can so relate to. And, and, and I can't even pinpoint a specific instance. I just got like an existential feeling of dread when yeah. I read that because I was like, oh, yeah, I hate that when your only escape method actually takes you closer to the thing that you're scared of. Yeah, that is terrifying. And this would be I'm not going to deny this. This would be a paralytic fear. Yes, absolutely. This would be where yeah. that evolutionary imperative of like stay still because if you stay still, it can't see you. Exactly. Kind of kicks in. Yes. Yeah. She finally does get to her bedroom door. She she gets it unlocked, and she hears something scratching at the window. Yes, which is just you can hear that in your oh don't do that. To, what about the listeners who are wearing earbuds? At the gym. That's so mean. <laughs> so yes, there's something scratching at the window. She glances back and she sees this ghastly, shriveled, brown face in the window, which when I read that, I was like, that feels racist. <laughs> like, why does this other thing, this this terrifying other thing, why does it have to be brown? <laughs> I'm thinking, I, I'm not picturing it so much as, as the brown... I'm not thinking melanin brown. Decay uh, brown. I'm thinking decay brown. A new color out from Crayola. Ooh. <laughs> and it's going to be the Pantone color of the year. I see. <laughs> you know, decay brown. Everybody's going to be wearing it and decorating with it. It's going to be the new thing. I've heard they changed the name to orange to presidential. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just watching her with glowing eyes. And it keeps, you know, kind of like scratching at the window. And you can just hear the scratch. And what it's doing, there is lead sealant mm -hmm. around the window. It's picking, picking away at that lead sealant. Which is so intelligent. Yes. It's not just trying to bust through the glass. It's not doing anything that will attract attention from anybody else in the house. It's just trying to get that sealant away. And it does. And pain falls out. Mm -hmm. And in comes an arm. Yes. Now, a lot of you are probably thinking, why didn't the breaking of the pain alert other people? 
next time you go into an old house, I want you to take a look at the windows. We're not talking like little eighth of an inch thick windows. The the windows at the time, we're talking quarter of an inch thick. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're talking stuff that had to be had to be melted down from sand. So these are not brittle windows. These are thick windows. Windows that stood the test of time. Uh, fun little fact. Glass is a liquid. What? Yes, glass is a liquid. <laughs> if you go into an old house, you will you can look through the glass and you start to see ripples. Oh, yeah, yeah. That is the liquid trying to get back to its to its form. You have just blown my mind. I thought that was just some sort of imperfection. Oh my god, that no. is oh, I love that. I want to live in an older house now. We have put oh, I bet some of my older windows might have that because we put in newer windows in some places, but some of our windows are older. I'm going to have to look and see if I can find the liquid in the glass. I don't know why I'm so fascinated by this. <laughs> I'm a nerd. So, yeah, it reaches in and opens it. And I just want to read this next part verbatim from Augustus Hare. Please do. Her terror was so great that she could not scream, and it came up to the bed, and it twisted its long, bony fingers into her hair, and it dragged her head over the side of the bed, and it bit her violently in the throat. And so finally, it's this action that allows her to scream. There's this feeling of, oh my god, this is actually happening. Like, she, she, the, the book even, the, the scream released from her throat, which was really good wording. I, I admired that little bit of writing. So if you're wondering where the crime is this week... Here you go, yep. breaking and entering and, like, neck assault. Yeah, <laughs> neck assault. <laughs> I hereby judge you with neck assault. To the gallows with him. <laughs> Make sure you get the rope around his neck. <laughs> an eye for an eye. Hammurabi! <laughs> a neck for a neck. My boy, Hammurabi. <laughs> We're getting so dramatic. We are. So, but it's a dramatic story, and her brother's... They hear the scream, so they come running, and they they bust down her door to get to her. The creature, at this disturbance, out. Yeah. I like to think it gave one hiss. Yes, yes. Yes, yes. And then bolted away. (laughs) The angry cat hiss. Exactly. But I don't think so. I think this thing just up and ran away. Yeah, I don't think there was any sort of verbal communication from it. Right. And Amelia is bleeding heavily oh yeah yeah she has a nice gash on her throat she she it, it does become you know like a scar for a little while but the brother one brother does try to chase it but according to the story this thing has it's not just fast it has huge strides so it's not just like speed it's it's the ability to you know like take like the, the longer your stride the faster you are right. really i mean look at look at olympic runners those strides are well dare i say inhuman you know, and here, this one apparently should have been trying out for the, the hurdles or something because it was just dashing away and he lo- loses the creature in the churchyard where it, it goes over the wall and he it's gone. Yeah, Vampire Olympics, not a very pleasant thing, especially the Summer Olympics. Well, first of all, they have to happen at night. Exactly. I mean, that's a requirement. We all know that. Uh, you're not allowed in to watch if you've had any garlic, if you're wearing a cross. Mm-hmm. There's just so many rules and regulations you have to follow just to be an audience member. It's just not worth it. It really isn't. It yeah. really isn't. Plus, you know, the hurdles. There's going to be that one vampire that just cheats and as he runs up to them, turns into a bat and flies <laughs> over the top and then drops back down. So, yeah, they, they, the theory at this point is that 
it's an escapee from an asylum. Amelia is very level-headed. She doesn't really believe in the supernatural at all. So there was not much of a thought, at least in her mind, that this was something otherworldly or supernatural. There was just the thought that, you know, well, somebody escaped from an asylum and they came and they just happened to find their way to my window. Mm -hmm. Which is amazing thinking for the 1800s. Yeah, it was about 1875, supposedly, when this happened. 75 to 76. So this, right. I think, would be the 75 portion of it. So, And we live in a world now where there are people that honestly believe in vampires. Mm -hmm. And that the world is flat. Yep. Yeah, she does. She's very, so level-headed. It's really amazing that 1875 Amelia is able to have this this experience that so many people would say is otherworldly. And she's just like, no, here's a logical explanation. Mm -hmm. I will present it to you on a platter and I will believe it no matter what. And she's so logical. She doesn't even want to, when the doctors say, you know, you should spend some time recovering. Why don't you go, you know, over to the continent? She doesn't want to do that even, but I think the brothers talk her, in, talk her into it. And they go to Switzerland for a little while. Yeah. Just so she can have some recovery time, just get away from the, the scene of the trauma. Because if you have something horrible happen to you in your home, living there day to day... You don't feel safe. No, you, you don't feel safe. Don't. And you're constantly reliving it. PTSD is a thing. And it absolutely would be a thing for her, I'm sure. She would, you know, every time she went to bed, yeah. that would be terrifying. But I mean, the level headedness of this. And there was really no reason to believe why it should be a vampire aside from the, the legends. Yeah, exactly. It's not like they're, you know, well, no, there might have been stories of vampires. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. But asylums, asylums have been run in England at this point. For 200 years. Yeah. 250 years, really. It's an institution. Exactly. The, I mean, the, oh, God. But, uh, <laughs> da, 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 da. I didn't even mean to do it like that. Oh. <laughs> the, the first asylum opens in England, 1632. Wow. The, the Bethlehem Royal Hospital. Yes. I was just thinking my family came over in 1630, according to what records we have, or at least my paternal family. So I was going to say, oh, I know what we were trying to escape. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they're got this place they're going to put Uncle Steve in. <laughs> we better hightail it to America. <laughs> There's no asylums there. That I don't know what that accent was. That wasn't anything, really. That was only a slight variation of my normal speaking voice. <laughs> I was I didn't I didn't have the the ovaries to really pull it off that time. So, right, go on, talk about asylums. So, yeah, it's these are not pleasant places to be in. Which is going Oh no, oh, no, 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 no. We get no. from from 1632 straight up to around 1970. Mm -hmm. These are not pleasant places to be in. They and are a horror show. And America is is not immune from this. Oh no! Yeah, we had we had sometimes a, worse. Yeah, we had a hospital here in Pennsylvania that became known as Pennsylvania's secret shame, Penhurst. Oh my! Yeah, Penhurst was a nasty, nasty, nasty place. Hey, you know what? It's not just for the insane. Let's say you have a kid that's epileptic. You can ship him off to Penhurst. Oh yeah, no yeah, problem. Yeah. Any sort of a. Uh, uh, you know, uh, developmental disability. Oh, ship them off to Penhurst. There were women in Penhurst because they were going through menopause. Yep, yep. If you've ever seen, they, they circulate online every couple of years or so, the list of things that people could be committed to a, a sanitarium or an asylum for. And so many of them are like, you know, being like, gay, like, infidelity, mm -hmm. or, uh, 
you know, just basically being a woman yeah. <laughs> could get you not wanting to have children. I can't remember exactly the things that were on there, but you look at it and you're like, I can name like 10 people who have these things. These oh, are yeah. all perfectly normal. We we would have been thrown in. Oh, yeah. We no would problem. we would have been thrown in at like right, right around the age of five these or so. I'm people thinking. talk into a microphone and expect other people to listen to them. <laughs> yeah. These people are clearly mad. So they spend some time in Switzerland and they do they do Switzerland things. They do the skiing and they do the hiking and you know, they just have hot a chocolate, hot Swiss chocolate. Miss, they have course. a they have a Swiss time and they just really get homesick. They had really started to make a home for themselves at Crogland Grange and she wants to go back and she she's the one who decides that they can because as she puts it, and this is an exact quote from the story, lunatics do not escape every day. Love you, Amelia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Love your brain. Oh, my God. She's just... I See, I would be a panic-stricken nightmare. I would just be like, no, I'm never going to that place again. I'm never stepping foot on that in that country again. I will stay here in Switzerland by the fire with my hot chocolate. I don't ski, so I'm not doing that. But, yeah, it, it, just, it just amazes me. She really, really impresses me with her level-headedness. Absolutely. Absolutely. I wonder if they spoke Swiss or Maybe. whatever it is they speak in Switzerland. I feel like there's some French. Okay. I don't know. Some weird moon man language. Maybe I'm thinking of Belgium. Let's just confuse all the European countries. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know what you guys speak in, in, in Switzerland. It's I love the cheese. Yes, um, yes. Excellent cheese. I love the cheese. The holes, great addition. Oh, it's fantastic. Seriously, aesthetically They're, pleasing. Mm-hmm. It's like flavor holes. Exactly. Yes. So they go back. And they have another nice British winter, as I put it in my notes. <laughs> it's got it's to be better than a Pennsylvania winter. I, I feel like it's equivalent. I don't feel like they get nearly as much snow. Really? They don't get as much precipitation as a... It, most precipitation tends to be rain there. I think they get some snow, but not... They don't get the piles and piles of it that we do. And I, I don't think the, m- the temperatures go as low either. I have to... I might have to move to England. It's a nice place. Yeah. I've been there once. 24 hours. But it was. I was able to, to survey the surroundings and just kind of take a look around and nod and say, Yes, I enjoy this place. If I could get someplace close to a bog, that would be fantastic. You just want the bog bodies. I we all want, know that. I don't want the bog bodies. If they happen to occur, that's fine. <laughs> bonus. It's like a bonus room, exactly. but a bonus body. I don't know. There's something romantic about... Okay, here's the thing. Some of my favorite television shows are English, and I understand I can get that over here mm. as well and stuff. But I don't know. There's just something... There's this one TV show called Last of the Summer Wine. And the picture they paint of England, mm-hmm. of like the English countryside, is just beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I want that. I, I live in the middle of a city. Uh, the last two people that I've slept with are dead from opioid overdoses. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Ashley, Lisa, miss you guys. Um, but... <laughs> you see the look on my face. <laughs> I'm not lying. Um, but it's like, it's it's one of those deals, I want to get the hell out of the city. Mm-hmm. I'm so tired of people I sleep with dying. So. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, don't, I don't know if they have the opioid epidemic over there, but... It can't be as bad as it is here. It it's, absolutely, pretty, it's pretty horrifying. It absolutely can't be. So they have a nice British winter. She does stay in the same room, which props Amelia. Just you're you're my girl. You 
I don't know how you do it. Honestly, I would be medicated so bad I wouldn't be able to speak. This which... is some vaginal fortitude. <laughs> what we call it. Vaginal fortitude. Mm -hmm. Or ovarian if we want to like, be equivalent, you know, over That's true. Ovaries to we're, testicles. We're use the test, you know, the, the which, equivalent to testicles. We should do that as our next podcast. Ovaries to testicles. Oh, we no. don't know what it's about yet, but we just like the title. Yes, I do like the title. <laughs> <laughs> and she closes the shutters always now, mm -hmm. but that still leaves one pane at the top exposed. It's one of those cases where you have, I mean, you can picture it. You've seen curtains that don't cover an entire window. It let a little light in all the time. I'm not entirely sure what the reasoning is, honestly. Like, mm -hmm. you have this window covering, but you're only going to cover, like, 90%? There is, uh, the, the reasoning behind that is some of those paints, I don't know if it's this case, some of those paints are removable, and in stone houses, uh, it is it is a thing where, like, you can remove those paints and they let the hot air out the top. I guess you do, you do have literally a transom. Right. Um, there, there's actually a, a phrase in publishing uh, over the transom, and that's basically any unsolicited material. And it comes from the fact that people would just, in the old days, would go to publisher's office, a publisher's office, and just slide their manuscript over the transom out during the lunch break. <laughs> yeah. I am the only person I know that owns a transom right now. I have a transom in my kitchen. I have no... Tra I'm transomless. Yeah, what Tragically a shame. transomless. What a shame. That's, that's the what... name of my uh, prog rock band. That's how I get all the opioid-addicted ladies to my house. Hey, baby, want to come over and see my transom? And they say yes because they think it's some sort of new drug. <laughs> oh! <laughs> there it is. Oh, Disappointed? Oh. You will be again here soon. Take off your pants. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it always amazes me the topics that you managed to pull in. Thank you very much. With, with, that I never expect. <laughs> so the brothers had actually changed their bedroom. Amelia didn't change hers, but the brothers sw switched so that they were in the same room, which was nearer her. Very nice of them. Absolutely. Very, very, very kind of them to, to be, want to be near her, even though I'm sure she the entire time was like... Lunatics do notice. No, wow, what was that? Where, where, where am I? That yeah. was kind of like a Luxembourgian accent. Lunatics don't skip every day. Nope, <laughs> nope, no, no, no. I'm like Bobcat Goldthwait. Yes, it's Christopher Walken's going to be nice. Yeah. I don't know. I think you know lunatics. I don't skip every day. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to stop trying accents <laughs> ever again. I'll sing it. There we go. Lunatics don't escape every day. I like that. Thank you. I like Thank that. You. Thank you. I've been practicing. It Not my accents. Definitely I've been practicing my accents. If Billie Holiday and Joey Ramone had a kid, <laughs> yes. it would have been something like that. Yes, maybe that's... A, an, I have another doppelganger out there, only vocally. Ah. So this March... Of this net following year, the, the the March following the summer attack. Yeah, March 1876. Yes. The scratching happens again. Can you uh, imagine the, the... Oh, it's it's terror compiled upon terror. It's compound terror. It's like worse than compound interest. All I need to know is, at this point, does the butthole loosen or tighten? Because I, it could go either way. I think it somehow does both. Yes. Like, amazingly, it's amazing what the human body can do. And once again, the human body will amaze us when you are terrified upon terrified. If Whenever you're terrified upon terrified, anatomically, your butthole begins to look like an eight. <laughs> oh, God. So she does scream immediately this time. It seems like probably she she's the 
remnants of her trauma are still there and she's she's probably still on edge despite her attempting to hide it and good very very good mm-hmm. show too and the brothers come running and this time they're packing heat they're packing heat they are armed now a popular handgun at the time was the 1876 Wembley Bulldog um, 1876 was not the year it was made. I was like, how did it get so yeah. popular so fast? Yeah. It <laughs> was actually around 1872. It was made right in England, and it's a five-shot revolver. More than likely, because whenever I'm first thinking of this, I'm thinking of, like, flintlock, mm-hmm. right? No, this was a pretty modern-looking weapon. Uh, they had some pretty modern-looking guns at the time. So this five-shot revolver made in, uh, made in 1872 is probably the type of weapon that he used. It's interesting to me that in 1872, they were like, let's make a gun and name it after four years from now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That would be like, I'm going to make a book, and I'm going to call it, no, actually, that... 1984. 1984, yeah, yeah. That works. It doesn't work with books. Okay, I don't... I'm going to make a cross stitch, and I'm going to call it 2023, Mm -hmm. (laughs) for no reason at all. It's going to be a picture of a penguin (laughs) (laughs) called 2023. Very abstract. You you won't understand. You you don't get me. It's like, in recognition of President John Titor. (laughs) (laughs) Christy was good. (laughs) (laughs) Damn that girl. So... This combination of Screaming Amelia and Armed Edward and Michael, which also, uh, if I, that's the one flaw I can say in her plan, is I'm not big on guns, but if I had been attacked, I might become more big on guns. I yes. might change my mind about it. I might want more protection. The- Statistically, it doesn't actually work in your favor because statistically, most guns in the household that cause an injury cause an injury on somebody in the household, but it might just be worth it for just the mental reassurance, but she doesn't have a gun. I'm saying that I would, if I had been attacked by a vampire the year before, I would take the risk at having a gun in the but house. But she's still saying escaped convicts, or escaped lunatics don't, lunatics don't escape every day. Leave it in. Leave it in. Leave it in. I like it. Okay. I like it that people can just hear my brain degrading as we go. (laughs) It's been a week. Okay. I had a whole thing at school today where I called IT because uh, I couldn't, the the, the monitor was on the the projector, but not on the actual monitor. And uh, yeah. That's weird. Yeah. It's really weird when the monitor's off. To my credit, I did try to find an on or off button. You couldn't, it's on like the monitor's on like a swivel arm. Mm-hmm. You can't see them from that angle. I would have had to like feel along the bottom and I didn't think to because I was trying to do all kinds of things because also I knew that I couldn't just, I thought for a second I was like, well, maybe I could just like turn and use the, the, the screen behind me. You know, it'll be a little awkward, but I can figure that out to get to the files I need. No, because those files are in my Dropbox. And guess what else is in my Dropbox? Old timey crimey. Right at the very top, the thing I worked on yesterday, private dick business card template. <laughs> I was like, I don't think they need to see that. I don't think they need to see that. So, By the way, Patreon coming soon. <laughs> yep, yep. Patreon oh, coming now. Yeah, oh, it's exactly. live. It's, yeah. it's done. It's we're done. Gonna, we're going to flog it at the end of the show. So, so the brothers break in, yeah. brandishing heat, yeah. looking and- like a 1970s detective series. The creature looks at him, freaks. I imagine it made him noise like, what? Like that? Well, can we do the the wah with the hiss? Whoosh! <laughs> nice, I like it. One of the brothers, as the creature is running away... It's scuttling. It's, 
scuttling. It's probably using those long strides and like yeah. grabbing things with its arms. He manages to get a shot off, and it hits the creature in the leg. Doesn't stop the creature. No. It keeps going. And they track it. They trail it. They follow this thing to the crypt of a family that has long since gone extinct. Right. They can't even read the name. Mm-hmm. Erosion has destroyed the family name on the vault. And they, like many of us would be, think, should we go in here tonight? No. No, no. Mm-hmm. Should, we, should we wait until morning and then come with the entire town in Hall? Sounds like a very good idea. Yes. That is sound thinking. That is logic. Let's go with that. I like self-preservation. I do like to think that they had somebody stand guard at the vault. It didn't say that anywhere, but my brain, like the, the way I was thinking was just like, you're just giving it time to escape. Somebody better stand guard, you know. So that's that's. It didn't say it, but that was the little hole there for me. There's always there's always a plot hole. They're, they no matter how hard you try. Dynamite Joe, you go ahead and start stacking dynamite around this. Yes. <laughs> and we're just gonna blow this thing to kingdom come right now. Interestingly, the nickname Dynamite Joe didn't come about because of the dynamite. Really? Yeah, I don't actually have a backstory for this. I just thought it was funny. Hmm. My brother uh, had a nickname Burrito, uh, and then later... <laughs> burrito Joe. Not because of the burrito, though. Years later, after getting the nickname, went on to work at Taco Bell. Whoa. Dude. Whoa. Non-linear causality. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. So... They leave a bee for the night, and in the morning they come back with a posse that's pretty much the entire town. You don't really hear the word posse and England no, together you don't. very it's often. very much like an American West thing, uh, but that's essentially what they have. Yeah. They go and they get the posse, and they come back, and they bust into this crypt. And now, just to, so everybody's thinking on the same page, uh, I know all of you, you know, you're, you're exactly like me, right? You like Buffy. <laughs> Think of where the vampires are in the crypts, in the in the, the little tiny little buildings in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, or if you you know you have them in not all cemeteries but many. You've never been in a crypt, have you? I've never been in a crypt. No. Oh, I have. Oh, of course you have. Of course. Come on. Come on. I mean, yeah, I, I've been in a crypt. <laughs> it's the doors come sometimes they come open and I was curious. <laughs> they just it was the wind that just opened the crypt. <laughs> so just you see, it's like a little tiny sort of concrete or marble house, yes. essentially, that houses coffins. And this family had had many coffins in there. And most crypts, actually, that whenever you go into them, and maybe this is me just because I've been in several crypts, most crypts, at least the ones I've been in, it actually goes a little subterranean. Yeah, yeah. There's um, like a, maybe some stairs. Right, yeah. right. So we're talking, you're usually... At least a little bit below ground. Mm-hmm. You're going to see where I'm going with this later. <laughs> I'm yes. very eager to see where that goes. I will take you to a crypt. They There is actually a crypt of a... I cannot think of the guy's name now, but it's up in Loretto. Okay. And he's going to be... Uh, He's going to be nominated for sainthood here pretty soon. I was like trying to think of what this man who's in a crypt could be doing anytime right. soon. Like I was like, what's happening? So, And they have the crypt open. You can walk right in and you walk down and the ceiling is about four foot tall in this crypt. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish I could remember the guy's name now. We'll figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll go to the crypt sometime. Right. We'll make a thing of it. Yeah. But we'll he's put actually, pictures on the Patreon, maybe. He is actually America's first ghost hunter as well. He investigated oh this thing about the cutting ghost in Virginia. Hmm. Uh, he was a priest. He was actually a Russian prince that became a priest. God. 
And so his, uh, his casket's down there, and you can walk down in. And it's kind of beautiful because all these people are praying to this man who is going to be, he's, at, he's up for sainthood now. And there's all these little prayers on pieces of paper lying on top of his coffin. Okay. So new podcast idea. Okay. Old-timey Russian prince turned priest turned ghost hunter turned saint. And it's just about this guy. Yeah. <laughs> because that is a fascinating life. Isn't it? That is really fascinating. My gosh. That yeah. trajectory. I can't even imagine. I, re- I want to learn more about this guy, but we got to get back to the story. Absolutely. Absolutely. So... Not to keep you in suspense or anything, but they go into the crypt (laughs) and they find lots of coffins with their contents strewn all over the floor. Now you may say, what contents? Are they cans of SpaghettiOs? Maybe, maybe teddy bears. No, bones. That's so funny. I was thinking stuffed animals. Really? Yes. (laughs) That's so funny. We do this too much. Yeah, we do. Yeah. (laughs) Bones, just bodies, body parts, just, you know, whatever decaying grossness was left after these people, you know, died and then spent a couple hundred years in there. Yeah. Probably a lot of dried bones for the most part. I don't know. There's, There's three things that can happen to a human body upon death and none of them are very pretty yeah let's not talk about those <laughs> you don't want to know about adipose here no no oh. i'm good i'm good I, I i listened uh earlier this week to the podcast about the exploding coffin so i i'm i'm good for the week fair enough listeners i want you to look up something called grave wax it is fascinating continue okay absolutely so all these coffins are broken open except there's one that's mostly intact that's the one that has the ravioli in it exactly all these others had spaghettios this is the jackpot Mm -hmm. so the lid's just a little loose and here again i have the text of the story that i would like to read please do they raised it and there brown withered shriveled mummified but quite entire was the same hideous figure which had looked in at the windows of Croglin Grange with the marks of a recent pistol shot in the leg. And they did. The only thing they can lay a vampire. They burnt it. No, that's not the only thing. No, according to this... Fisher and Hare. That's Mm -hmm. them saying it. It's not me saying it. Three garlics in the ass and you make him listen to Ozzy Osbourne's Bark at the Moon. That'll kill a vampire. It's a very specific (laughs) recipe, but it works. (laughs) The old Romanian way. (laughs) So that's the story. That's essentially the story that it is told in uh, Augustus Harris' The Story of My Life. Yeah. Now, of course, uh, this story became kind of well-known and got a lot of, of, of talk about it and everything. Kind of, it's probably the most well-known and remembered thing from Augustus Hare's book or Augustus Hare himself, his life. I had Truly. never heard of him before. Truly. Have you, you just, heard of the Croglin Grange Vampire I before? think I had heard of it. I would never really looked into it. Okay. I just heard it referenced somewhere. And it's then, a fascinating story. Yeah, yeah. It, it is an absolutely fascinating story. But, of course, fascinating stories invite scrutiny. Exactly. Questions are being raised about this. So now we have the challenges over the years that happen. In 1924, Charles Harper visited the the general area. He did not find a Croglin Grange. He did find Croglin Low Hall and Croglin High Hall. I like to think that Croglin High Hall 
like before they named their place, they looked at Krug and Lowhall and there's some sort of like feud going on with those mm-hmm. families and they were like, Oh, mm-hmm. I got it. I know how to get you. Uh, you're Kruglin Lowhall. I'm Kruglin High Hall. I got a B plus in vocab. I I'm, know what to do. I'm best Korea. <laughs> so it's, you know, referred to in the story as Kroglin Grange. Basically, from what Harper could tell, he decided it was Kroglin Lowhall that was referred to in the story. There were some vague things that made it possible. And there was no church. There was not nearby for a long time, according to Harper. Uh, The nearest was about a mile away, which... Okay, maybe the chase could have lasted a mile, but she might Amelia wouldn't have been able to see the church from there. Right. And it had no crypts. So that pokes a big, big fat hole in there. But then along comes F. Clive Ross. Ah, uh, good old F. Oh. Uh, <laughs> to his friends. <laughs> yeah. So he he goes in and he interviews the the locals. He finds that Croglin Low Hall was once called Crogling Grange, and then on top of that, he finds the foundation of the church nearby. Yep, there had been an old chapel there that uh, ended up being a victim of the English Civil War from 1642 to 1651, which somewhat related, something is going to come up later, very close to that. It's it's, mm-hmm. it's interesting how things intersect in this uh, this attempt to bust down the story. But yeah, so there's there's still the foundation stones near near Crogling Lowhall. Right. On top of this, he interviews a Mrs. Parkin of Ainstable. She knew the descendants of the Fishers. Uh, The Fisher that she knew was born there in the 1860s and had heard the vampire story from his grandparents. Yep, yep. Um, And Kroglin Lowhall has been called Kroglin Grange until 17. 20. So it was actually Kroglin Grange at one point, just not at the point that supposedly the story takes place. Right. But there are these these little tiny similarities um, to to my personal life and, and this. The town that I grew up in, we mentioned it before, Salisbury. Mm-hmm. And here's where it comes in. Salisbury, before 1920, was not called Salisbury. It was called Elklick. Oh, yeah. Uh, wait. Is there another Elklick? Yes. Okay. Yes, All right. I was going to say, I've seen Elklick on a map and possibly passed through it many times. Mm-hmm. There is now another Elklick. But before that time, Elklick was Salisbury. They decide in 1920, and actually my dad was born. I've seen my dad's birth certificate. Hmm. It says he was born in Elklick. We love to name things weird things. Right. Well, it's actually named Elklick. Because of the high salt deposits oh, okay. on there. Yeah, so the elks would come and lick right. that, just like deer do. Before it was elk lick, it was called Salzburg. Ha ha! I'm seeing where Salisbury comes from. Although, wait, the Salisbury in England. Yes. I don't know that's why weird. that's named. So huh. they decide, they decide, Salisbury. Salus. It's Latin for salt. The word salary comes from the Latin word for salt because part of your payment as a Roman soldier was a little bag of salt. It was ah, yes. one of the most important spices of the day, believe mm-hmm. it or not. Um, so Salisbury was Elklick. The school in Salisbury is still called Salisbury Elklick High School. Nice. So the fact that... Retaining, 
that history, yeah. Exactly. So the fact that, oh, Croglin Low Hall, well, we don't call it that 1720. Now it's 1720. We're going to call call Croglin Grange Croglin Low Hall. I guarantee there were some old hangers on. Yeah, yeah. And it was probably changed because of a change in ownership. Mm-hmm. So because it, it actually, it was 1720. And I did find that uh, one family, I can't remember who it was, and I don't think I wrote it down, but one family did actually take it over in 1727. So that 720 could just be sort of a vague, you know, around 1720. Right. So, yeah. And then in 1968, along comes parapsychologist D. Scott Rogo. Hey. Hey, D. <laughs> I wonder if the D stands for Douglas. Hey, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Could be David, though. David or... Scott. Yeah. I'm gonna have to look up D. Scott Rogo. This yeah, is, and he's this a parapsychologist a, too. Yeah, I should have heard of this guy, but I haven't. Yeah, 1968. Good time to be a parapsychologist, man. All Absolutely. that acid, I'm sure, is helpful. Absolutely. So he finds uh, the penny dreadful Varney the Vampire, and that is, of course, vampire with a Y, mm-hmm. naturally. Vampire. And vampire. And penny dreadfuls, for those of you who don't know, were just basically these lurid, sensationalist stories. Some of them were about murders and crimes. Some of them were about supernatural stuff. Some of them combined the two. But they were were sold for a penny, mm-hmm. and they they were they sometimes in the form of pamphlets, and sometimes they were serialized, as is the case of Varney the Vampire, which is such a ridiculous name for a vampire. Varney. Really, Varney. Into, did you read any of Varney the Vampire? Yes, I did. I actually am going to be reading some of that and comparing it to some of Augustus' hair stuff. It's pretty fucking confusing, isn't it? It's the most overwrought prose I've read in a long time. The whole thing is Varney is this vampire who kind of uh, kind of attacks a family, the Bannerworths, for blood and then later for money. Um, and that's pretty much it. Yeah. Yeah. And it has... I, I love titles of things. I think I've mentioned... A while ago, and I'm not sure, not sure if it was on the podcast or not, but the fact that every true crime book is a title, colon, subtitle. Absolutely. It's just so funny. This Back is... in these days, it was title, comma, or, comma. Exactly. Yes. Because this was Varney the Vampire or The Feast of Blood, a romance. And of course, there was also an epigram. I'm pretty sure that's what those are called. Art thou a spirit of health or goblin damn? Yeah, do I have to be one or the other? Can I can are they mutually exclusive or can I combine? I'm a I unicorn with a golf club. A a, a a goblin spirit of damned health? Mm. Maybe. So it is very similar to the Croglin Grange tale. There's a woman named Flora, quote, a girl young and beautiful as a spring morning, end quote. And a lot of this could be uh, the, the, the men writing about women uh, sort of meme that goes around in writer mm-hmm. circles, especially writers and reader circles, because it, I think my, uh, <laughs> my favorite one was something along the lines of it. Just basically the whole entire thing is describing a woman waking up and her, her boobs start to be like more and more, uh, you know, uh, prominent in the description until, you know, she flounced boobily down the stairs or tittily down the stairs or something like that. It was, or she, she titted down the stairs. It just, it all becomes about the boobs. Just, I just pictured like a guy starting to write when Samantha woke in the morning, her chest heaving mightily. And then God damn, look at those tits. <laughs> That's basically exactly yeah. what it is. Uh, yes. If I can find that. Nipple I'll... straining against the sheer fabric of the goddamn. I, I need to get laid. <laughs> if 
I can find that 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 meme, I'll post it and and uh, just for some variety. So yeah, she is attacked by a vampire who gets in through her window, and the men in the house scare it away. Now remember, this is 1847. The story told by Captain Fisher supposedly took place in 75, 76. And then the uh, Augustus Hare book is published in 1890. So this has been around for a while. And would you indulge me? Can I read some from both for comparison's sake? From Verney. The figure is there, still feeling for an entrance and clattering against the glass with its long nails that appear as if the growth of many years had been untouched. And then I skipped a little bit. A small pane of glass is broken, and the form from without introduces a long, gaunt hand, which seems utterly destitute of flesh. The fastening is removed, and one half of the window, which opens like folding doors, is swung wide open upon its hinges. Now let's compare that with a description of the same moment from Augustus Hare. Suddenly the scratching sound ceased, and a kind of pecking sound took its place. Then, in her agony, she became aware that the creature was unpicking the lead. The noise continued, and a diamond pane of glass fell into the room. Then a long, bony finger of the creature came in and turned the handle of the window, and the window opened, and the creature came in. Very similar. Very similar. And then the actual moment of the attack... I don't know if I should read this or not, just because it's like... Seems... Boring... (laughs) That's not boring. They're very similar. Like, I was reading them both, and I was like, "Mm, my plagiarism meteor is like, (laughs) shooting through the roof. All right, I'll read them, and then you can decide if it's boring in the the, the long run. So, and I only have these two to read. Uh, So this is the moment of the attack. Uh, Here's Barney the Vampire version. With a sudden rush that could not be foreseen, with a strange howling cry that was enough to awaken terror in every breast, the figure sees the long (laughs) stretches of... (laughs) Long dresses of her hair, and twining them around his bony hands, he held her to the bed. Then she screamed. Heaven granted her then power to scream. Shriek followed shriek in rapid succession. The bedclothes fell in a heap by the side of the bed. She was dragged by her long, silken hair completely onto it again. Her beautifully rounded limbs quivered with the agony of her soul. Look at him jiggle. The glassy, horrible eyes of the figure ran over that angelic form with a hideous satisfaction. Good lord. Horrible profanation. He drags her head to the bed's edge. He forces it back by the long hair still entwined in his grasp. With a plunge, he seizes her neck in his fang-like teeth. A gush of blood and a hideous sucking noise. Just follows. think of my teeth as a penis. <laughs> the ne- uh, no, I'm not even going to try to figure that out. Neck and China. Right. <laughs> Here is from the same moment from Hair. It came across the room, and her terror was so great that she could not scream. And it came up to the bed, and it twisted its long, bony fingers into her hair. And it dragged her head over the side of the bed, and it bit her violently violently in the throat. As it bit her, her voice was released, and she screamed with all her might and main. There's the dragging, there's the hair, there's the bed. It's all very similar. And I'm going to put up side-by-side comparisons with maybe some highlighting on Mm -hmm. them, if I'm feeling ambitious, up on our our various social media outlets, Reddit, Twitter, Facebook. And you can see for yourself and judge for yourself if you think that maybe uh, some inspiration for this might have come from Barney the Vampire. But there is evidence that this didn't happen in the years we were given. 1875 and 1876. Mm -hmm. This may have happened in the 1600s. Yes, exactly. In 1978, Mark Alexander is a writer. He 
sort of brings in this other tale. Uh, there was a reverend, George Sanderson, and he had been a clergyman in Croglin in the late 1600s. And there was a local story that ran around town of vampire sightings and a bat-like creature in the vicinity of his grave. So, hold, put a pin in that. Because I'm trying to do the discoveries and, and, and theories a little bit chronologically. Mm -hmm. Put a pin in Reverend George Sanderson. We're going to come back to him. 2005, Richard Whittington Egan. He did a little bit of digging. And he finds out Captain Fisher Rao and his family were in fact tenants of Croglin Low Hall. Or at least a Captain Fisher Rao, judging by mm -hmm. your, your, your genealogical digging. Leased it in 1809. By your estimation, I think he was born later than that, so it must have been his family, now, his, I his, do his believe, parents. I do believe his father. Let me check the notes here. So his father was a Captain Thomas Fisher. There we go. There mm -hmm. we go. So that, that ties it together. That makes a lot of sense. I was wondering if he was the captain, if they you know passed, the, passed it down from father to son, the, the profession, as happens frequently. So... Yeah, so it could have been that there's this legend of the of the the vampire, you know, with or without Sanderson coming into it, the Reverend passed around town. Somebody told them, you know, as they they leased the home, there you know there's vampire sightings, and hey, here's this, this church and a cemetery that used to be here, which is not here now because it was demolished, you know, in the English Civil War. But yeah, so so that happens. That okay, twenty twelve. Geoff, how do you how do you pronounce that one? It's G E O F F. I just say Jeff. All right, we're gonna go with Jeff. It's like I it's apologize those, if I'm mispronouncing your name, Mister Holder. It's one of those bullshit things, man. You're fucking Jeff. Get over your goddamn <laughs> self. It's like okay, he does not apologize. Look here, there's Scott another. Scott is not apologizing for shit. You you fuckers out there who are named Topher, Topher Grace. I'm looking at you. Your fucking name's Chris. I actually kind of like it. Oh, but no, I was listening to a podcast today where a guy's name. He was like a, a father of, of the murder victim. His name, they kept on calling him Toppy or Toffee. I couldn't even tell. And I'm like in the shower listening to this. And I'm like, what is even his name? And then somebody at some point refers to him as Christopher. And I'm literally like in the shower ranting about this. And I'm like, no, no, you can be Chris. Mm -hmm. You can be Topher. You can be Christopher. I will take any of those. But Toppy or Toffee or whatever, I am not on board with this. No. Okay. I'm sorry, Topher. You disgust me. I like Topher as a name. I actually do kind of like it. I quit. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> and that's the end. See you guys. So 2012, uh, Jeff Holder in uh, Paranormal Cumbria, a book that he wrote, he manages to tie this whole vampire legend to the religious upheaval in the 1600s. In 1662... There was the Act of Conformity during the reign of Charles II. Technically kind of the second reign, because Charles's reign was slightly interrupted by about, uh, I think, 11 years or so of that oh, English Civil War mm -hmm. and Cromwell taking over and uh, Charles II having to run off to Europe and, and escape there. Which, by the way, the podcast Noble Blood has an episode about him. It's very good, very interesting. All their episodes are, are really, really good. They do great work. So it's actually a... Um, project of uh, Aaron Menke. Okay. Uh, so, okay, I'll check that out. Uh, yeah, it's really good stuff. So, the Act of Conformity pushed out all the Puritan ministers from these rural churches. 
which that's going to cause some schisms. That's going to cause some drama. It's going to cause some problems. So Reverend Sanderson mentioned earlier, he was a former Puritan. And from what I can tell, he switched sides to align with the Church of England, probably for self-preservation, I would guess. You know, it, it just, it just, you kind of have to look out for your own neck sometimes, yeah, especially in, in a vampire story. 1600s, 1700s, you can still be murdered for playing the wrong thing on a piano. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's very dangerous times. So he took over the Crogland Church in 1671. So probably had to kick out the, the Puritan, you know, minister who was doing the church before him. And so the theory is that there was maybe some bitterness over the whole switching of reverends, and that might be where the whole vampire story originates from in the Quite in possibly. the general area, because you know, like it, that religious upheaval could cause rumors. Oh, you know, he's ungodly. He's and then ungodly turns to he worships Satan, and then he worships Satan turns to he is a vampire. He just sucked my sister's neck last week, dude. You should see she has two little bite marks on the side. It's like it's real. I'm for real about this. I saw him it's, turn into a bat right after um, the sermon. It's weird, man. Did you ever smell him? He smells like garlic and old feet, <laughs> which you wouldn't think a vampire would smell like. Oh no, no, that is what vampires smell like. But then why is the garlic? Legend. I don't even. Okay, I'm I'm not gonna try and find logic here because okay. there's no logic to be found unless you're Amelia. Repelling, uh, in, in the old tradition. Like repels like, so you would put okay. garlic up to to do other th to do that. Most vampires actually had a strong obsessive compulsive disorder, so it was very common. Am I a vampire, maybe <laughs> it was very common to sleep under a net, because one of the obsessive compulsive things that vampires would do they couldn't stand knots, so they would actually work at the net. Until until they just gave up and then walked away. They couldn't attack a person until all the knots were out of a net. Man, legends are so weird. Yeah. That is so weird that somebody would come up with that. And I'm saying come up with that because we we know that this is not a thing. Yeah, and there, there were so many ways to become a vampire. Like, mm -hmm. we just think, oh, you have to get bit. That's it. No, if if your dead body's laying there and an, and an animal jumps over it, you could be a vampire. Yeah, oh my God. If you committed suicide... You could be a vampire if your body was never found. You could be a vampire if you laid out in the woods. If your body laid out in the woods, you could be a vampire. If you were buried in unhallowed ground, you could be a vampire. There was literally more ways to be a vampire than there was to get into heaven. Yeah, yeah, well, that makes sense for the times. Absolutely. So we've got, as far as I know, one other random explanation, which I only ever saw just a little reference to this. And I basically got traveling circus, starving monkey, and a bite. So, I'm going to try to tie this all together. Okay. Okay. We're kind of almost working backwards now, but forwards. <laughs> the religious tension that came about because of the act of conformity and uh, Reverend Sanderson leads to the general vampire legend. The author of Varney the Vampire takes that legend and makes it extremely extraordinarily overwrought fiction like we're talking unreasonably overwrought tarantino's fiction. looking at it going calm the fuck down exactly he's like take a pill dude come on and fisher reads it and maybe relates it to the tales that he's heard in his youth 
maybe conflates it. I don't know. I'm not casting any blame. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not. I, I, I will not on this podcast accuse anyone of plagiarism because it's all history and we don't freaking know. It could be a thing that he read it, forgot that he read it, and incorporated it into the legend his family told. It's him. exactly yeah. That's exactly what I'm thinking. Yes, exactly. And that happens if you yeah. want. If you want proof that it happens. Go listen to a song by George Harrison called My Sweet Lord. Mm -hmm. It is, he's so fine, do lang, do lang, do. It is the same song. And he was actually taken to court for plagiarism and he lost the case. But the judge said, I don't believe he did it on purpose. I think he did it subconsciously. It can happen. Yes. Yeah. I, I hate admitting that because I'm a professor and I have to watch for plagiarism. But it's not, you know, going to happen when you're scanning at an article about something technical and then, you know, like you're skimming it and then it happens to copy and paste its way into your paper. That's not going to how it's going to happen. But it can happen subconsciously sometimes. I don't think it's very common. But and there's also the fact that the, we have said it before. And really, I should just make a song out of it. The human memory is fallible. <clears throat> that was pretty bad. I didn't like it. I'm going to work on it. I'm going to okay. work on it. Okay, I'm going to practice. I'll practice in my car, practice in the shower, the usual places. So, all right. Fisher reads it and then, you know, incorporates it, as you said, into his family history. And then he tells Hare the story as his own. And then uh, at his wedding, a starving monkey bites someone. <laughs> it was really hard to work that part in there. I was going to say. It was tough. <laughs> now, here's the thing. Christy, Christy knows me. Mm -hmm. I am probably the most likely person in our group of friends to waste their entire lives studying conspiracy theories and the mm -hmm. paranormal. You are? Mm -hmm. Yes. We've actually discussed this during game night one night that I'm probably the guy that's going to end up like believing like any conspiracy theory that goes down the pike. So it's not going to surprise Christy whenever I say, I believe that this happened. Okay. I absolutely believe. I don't know about the dates. I think the dates were probably much earlier. I believe this happened, but I do not believe it was a vampire. All right, let's hear it. What do you okay. believe it was? So we know. I'm excited. Oh. <laughs> I'm excited. We know that that the mental institutions were around from the 1600s. Yeah. I do believe this took place in the 1600s because that's where the church dates back to. I mm -hmm. don't believe it was the 1800s. We are fraught with with horribleness from that time. And I believe Amelia was 100% correct. This is an escaped lunatic. This Using is... the parlance of the day. <laughs> right. Right. Um, it's a hot summer night. It is a very hot summer night. You're fucking insane. Oh, and, I mean, this happens to this day. We have uh, Trenton, the, the vampire Sacramento, mm. who drank blood. Mm. You have Jeffrey Dahmer, who lived amongst the dead. It is not uncommon for a human being to lose it and start to, to get Congress with the dead. I'm not talking biblical Congress, but I'm, that happens too. So it's a hot fucking summer night. Where are you going to sleep to stay cool and you don't mind being around dead people? You brought up the subterranean aspect of crypts for a reason. That's right. That is, that is right. Good planning, planting those seeds. I'm mm -hmm. so proud of you. 
Thank you very kindly. That was a Chekhov's crypt. <laughs> it absolutely was. It absolutely was. He's staying in the crypt because those crypts honestly stay about 50 or 60 degrees because they're stone and they're subterranean. Mm-hmm. It stays very cool in there. That's exactly the place that you'd want to go. Yep. That is exactly the place you want to go. You bust out of the crypt. You find a victim. They were staring at the moon that night. There's going to be some reflection of light mm. on a full moon on the eyes, especially if this person yeah. happens to be wearing glasses. Mm. We don't know that, mm-hmm. but, you know, human eyes don't really reflect light that well. But if this person is wearing some sort of spectacles, um, which 1600s, that would be pretty... I, I think the bifocal was invented uh, by Benjamin Franklin. Mm-hmm. So, but I imagine there's something going on there. Or that could be just embellishment of the tale year after year after year. Absolutely, yeah. Um, you have this man. He's not eating a lot. He's probably fucking filthy. He's lying in a coffin that was probably used by something else. Mm, I mean, pretty much definitely. Yeah. <laughs> and yes, he's going to look brown because he's fucking filthy. Mm, there it is. He's going to be emaciated because he's not eating. He goes in, he attacks, he freaks out, he leaves. It is common for people in high-stretch situations to look at something and go, it was fucking 11 feet tall and breathed fire. No, this guy just ran away. And because he's out in the wild often, he's probably able to run faster. There was, there you was might a... even know the terrain better than exactly. they do. They might not wander over that way too often. Exactly. There was a feral boy for uh, that was found, I think, in the 40s, uh, who was able to run on four legs at speeds of like 20 miles an hour for short bursts. Mm-hmm. So it's not on. that's not uncommon either. Second year comes around. He sees lights in the home. He knows he can attack again. And maybe he, his memory is not so good, so he doesn't necessarily remember right. this. He just, he's just going day to day. He, yeah. gets, he gets shot in the leg. He's running. He's running. He's running. And he's running to the safe place that he... Or the, place, the only place that's safe that he thinks of is the crypt. Here's a fun little fact for you. If you get hit in the femoral artery, mm-hmm. you bleed out. That's the in one about, in the thigh. And that's the one in the th- thigh. You bleed out in about 10 to 15 minutes. But you will bleed out faster if you're running and that blood is pumping because You've your heart is it. pumping faster. He gets into that coffin. He dies. Mm-hmm. They open up the coffin. Here's this guy who's... Now he's brown filth on top of him. He's emaciated. And the grayness of death has sunk in. There's no, there's very little, if any, blood in the coffin because he's already bled out. They look at it and go, this thing's mummified. It's him. Shot in the leg. Burn the coffin. I honestly believe this happened because too many people have told this story. There's too many pieces of evidence that say, yes, here's the church. Here's Crogwin Grange. And I'm sure if, if Captain Fisher heard it, other people heard it, mm-hmm. and I'm sure it was incorporated into the Varney legend as well. Yep. And in England, uh, Boy George said it best. England is so small, you can be famous for having a really nice haircut. Mm. So I'm sure that other people heard this story. It wasn't just Captain Fisher. It did, didn't just stay in his family. But I believe this happened. I really believe this happened. But 
it's not a vampire. It's a crazy guy who bled out. I think you solved it. Amelia solved it first. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Everybody was... else exaggerated it. And then many, many, many years later, possibly a couple hundred, probably judging by what we know, you fucking solved it. You I, solved I'm sorry. Case. It's it's a ton of rampant speculation. Rampant speculation. But, I mean, everything kind of fits. You know, it, it, that's it, amazing. I'm, I was just sitting here like in awe. I was just like, I there's just like watching you piece everything together. And I was just like, holy shit, I'm <laughs> loving this. I can't believe it. It's like watching a detective. It's like kind of like looking at the board with all the strings and the cards and the pictures. And they're just like, he did it. And you, I, it all makes sense. I have, I've had many years to think about the Krogman Grange vampire. That is true. I have had uh, approximately, mm, you're really giving me more credit for how much, you know, when I start researching. You know me, I start yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I truly believe, yes, this happened. It's usually whenever you have like an urban legend. Mm -hmm. An urban legend is like kind of one of those things of like, oh, and then uh, we went out to the we went out to the, the, the thing and we were making out. And then on there on the handle of the door, there was a hook. It's vague. Mm -hmm. It's... It's like, and little things vary here, vary there. There's no real detail to it. Who are these people? You know, who, who were who were the two people in the car that were making out whenever the hook? Why was the guy, how did he end up missing his hand? Yeah. Right? Excellent question. Many yeah. questions arising from this. There, there is too Why is much... he obsessed with teenagers, Exactly. Creep? <laughs> exactly. There is too many pieces of physical substantial evidence for this to be just a legend. Is, did it happen exactly the way that it's told? God, no. We didn't even have the original names, like those those particular names, mm -hmm. in the story Augustus Hare related to us. So yeah. it definitely wasn't Amelia, Edward, and Michael. And it's Flora in the Varney. Yeah. Is the name of the, the, the damsel in distress. Oh. With Ooh. her, with her, her jiggling boobs. Flora Boobarellister. Jiggling boobs of spring. Oh, <laughs> man. Jiggling boobs of spring. But anyway, <laughs> it, it is one of those deals. Yes, I believe this actually happened. Do I believe it was a fucking vampire that could change form and needed to drink blood? No. No, no absolutely not. Well, if you do need to drink something, mm. but it's not blood... You cannot actually get this beer because I looked on the site. <laughs> At one point when I was Googling Crogling Grange Vampire, the, the Google's little suggestions came up and one of them was followed it with beer. And I was like, well, I have to know about this. So the Cumbrian Legendary Ales did at one point have this available, but it's not listed on their site anymore. But okay. it's not listed in their shop, but they do still have the description up. So it's Croglin Vampire Beer. No. Yes. And I'm going to read the description. When I say it's available online, I am, just like they are, lying. <laughs> Croglin Vampire has been judged top bottled beer in the north of England in a recent Society of Independent Brewers competition. This 8% strong bock beer is a dark lager and is available online at our, at our shop. Try one if you dare. <laughs> there's so many there's so many things they could have done differently there. 
Oh, yeah, they could have done a lot differently. Like, have the beer available. You can't get any of their beers shipped to the U.S. anyhow, so it doesn't matter. But I still was like, oh, man, it would be so cool if I had, A, started researching earlier so I knew about this sooner. And then maybe could somehow get it to me before the episode and then drink it while we're doing the episode. But no, I found some more Icy Light Mango, so I'm drinking that. I would And it's hot as balls in here. I would have went kind of the Aunt Jemima route and made the beer shaped like a scared woman so you could drink from her. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And maybe put cranberries or, or some other red fruit into the beer, like cherries, so it looked oh, like blood. Yeah, that's see? That's an excellent idea. Yeah. Let me see if I can find a picture. Coglin of the label. Vampire beer. It's the first suggestion that comes up because Google knows me a little. Oh, it's, it's, it, you're going to be so disappointed. I am. You're ready for disappointment? I'm ready. Here you go. That's incredibly disappointing. Yeah, it's so generic and so Dracula, and it's just... It it's Essentially, it's Bella Lugosi on a red label. Yeah, yeah. So, See, I'm yeah. sorry, there, there's so many other things. My, one of my favorite beer names, I'm not a beer drinker, but one of my favorite beer names, Hoptimus Prime. Oh, yes, of course it is. Yes. Of course. Yes. So... Yeah, I think we've done this one justice. I really believe and so. And I am I'm really amazed. And I, I know you've had a really long time to come up with this uh, theory, but it is very impressive. And I think you freaking solved it, which is funny because just recently we were saying on the podcast, we'll probably never solve anything because we're not current. Like, I don't I don't have any proof of this. It is it is the best theory that it I've come up with. It puts all the pieces together so well. Yeah. And it's so funny that Amelia was possibly right from the beginning i absolutely believe she was i absolutely believe she was it's she was the one who's a who was attacked that was her first instinct and usually your first instincts are right yeah yeah all right so wow this has been an exhausting one yes it has for some reason <laughs> the research on this was like actually like easier than usual mm -hmm. because a lot of things lined up and the, the the main thing was like you know finding the varney and and uh, that wasn't the main thing but that was a big part of my research but yeah, like the actual episode itself, I think because we're so hyped up. I think so. That there's just, there was so much adrenaline going into this, <laughs> and we're so like laser focused on not stumbling over things and saying um a lot. And I also noticed I sometimes like swallow sometimes before I talk, and I was like, I better stop that. <laughs> People are going to listen. People are going to criticize. Christy's shirt is completely wet down the front from just drool. From <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say sweat. So I actually looked down. <laughs> if it had been drool, I wouldn't know that it wasn't, but... Yeah, this has been this has been it's been fun though. It's it been absolutely so has. fun. So you know what? If you had fun with us today, go ahead and give us that five star review on iTunes or Stitcher. Follow us wherever you follow podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit. And also, we have a Patreon now. Oh, you're gonna love this. You are gonna love this. If you give us one dollar. Mm -hmm. You get access to polls. You can help us determine the topics of future episodes, so you get to choose what you listen to. Imagine that. And we even we're even going to do a little shout out for you. A lot of other podcasts just go, ah, thank you, hey, th thanks for your dollar. We'll throw it out in the street. Um, but no, we're going to do a shout out video for you. We're gonna we're gonna name everybody. If you don't want us to use your full name, please let us know. Yeah, you can use a nickname or anything like that. If there's any special pronunciation we should know about. Absolutely let us know, and we're not just going to say your name. No. If you know us, and you do know us, that's not our style. We're going to say it in a horrible accent, or 
sing it. Absolutely. So, and, you know, if you have a preference, I, I don't know how you, I'm so new to Patreon, I don't know if people can let us know or what, I have no yes, idea. Yes, you can message people on Patreon. Okay, all right, if you have a preference for singing or bad accent, uh, go ahead and, and send us uh, a message and we'll try to make sure we, we keep to that. We'll do our best, but it's going to be hard to stay organized if we get a lot of subscribers, which we hope we do. Now, let's say, let's say I've got not just one dollar bucks, mm -hmm. let's say I got five dollar bucks that you know. rich man. What do I get for my five dollar bucks? Oh, for your five dollar bucks, you get also the access to polls and the sh monthly shout out. Well, you get one video, one shout out in a monthly video. I should make sure I establish mm -hmm. that so we're not like saying everybody's names compounding up month upon month. That would <laughs> Three be years down the road. And then <laughs> and it's a 25 minute video. <sighs> so yeah, you, you get uh, one shout out in a monthly video again, accent or sung, however you want. And you also get access to unedited videos. So not videos. No, we don't do those yet. You get access to unedited episodes. So you can hear every time we have a tangent that we don't happen to include. You can hear when Scott and I simultaneously yell out the name of the time when he we one of us screws up and he writes down the time to in order to edit it. You can hear the bad jokes that don't make it to air or the slightly maybe bad in another way, jokes that don't make it to air, which they, there aren't many of those. Scott we're, doesn't, Scott's not that judicious with the snippers in the editing room. We're, we're horrible people. <laughs> we? But, uh, lumping I'm, I'm, a and, you're, I'm horrible in general and you're horrible for allowing me to be uh, horrible. I'm an accessory to the horribleness. Exactly. So, and then you also get, because if you are at the $5 level, then you, my friend, are one of our gumshoes. You're not one of those $1 flatfoots, which we love them, but you're a $5 gumshoe. And we have a little something extra for you too. In addition to the unedited access, you will get a template for business cards that you can print out. Put your name on there, put your telephone number on there to show the world that you are in fact a gumshoe. And yes, it will say gumshoe right under your name. My God, Christy, I think I want to do this twice. Can I be a gumshoe twice for $10? You could be a gumshoe twice for $10, but what I would recommend actually... I'm listening. ...is that you be a private dick. Oh, I like this. Do I get paid for being a private dick? You do not. That's not what that woman told me at the <laughs> escort agency. But you do get... All the stuff we've mentioned before. Uh, the business card is slightly edited. As you can imagine, instead of gumshoe, it says private dick. <laughs> really hoping Patreon doesn't censor us on that. <laughs> it's a common <laughs> phrase, Patreon. Exactly. Yes, I know. It's, 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 everybody knows this. And in addition to that, you get not only access to the unedited episodes, you get early access we're not specifying how early yet because we haven't quite mapped that out in terms of my schedule with uploading and everything. We'll get there. But you will definitely get it sooner than Friday. Probably, I would. my guess would be Wednesday yes. would be my guess. But again, I'm not making any promises and I specifically didn't put any promises into the text of the benefit on Patreon. So you have all those options. And you know what? If you don't want to do the monthly thing, I totally get it. I totally get it. That's why we have a PayPal. 
We oldtimeycrimey at gmail.com. You put that in PayPal. You can send us any amount you want. You can send us 50 cents if you want. Every little bit counts because you know what? Equipment costs. We would love to upgrade our equipment and have better sound quality for you. We would love to be able to do more research. You have more materials at our hands, some stuff that actually like costs money. That would be fantastic. All this stuff, we're already paying for hosting and the like. So all these things can help us make a better podcast, which in turn goes right into your ears and makes you have more enjoyment, which is what you want out of life, isn't it? I'm very sorry I scratched the microphone earlier. My apologies. (laughs) Now he feels bad. (laughs) So... Uh, we would be very, very grateful and not just forever grateful in that we're going to pay lip service, but in the forever grateful in that we're actually going to make an effort to show you how grateful we are. So, uh, go to our Patreon, Old Timey Crimey, uh, just search, you know, Old Timey Crimey Patreon or search for Old Timey Crimey on Patreon, whatever. There'll be a link in the Facebook page to us. And on the Twitter and on the, the Reddit. Yes, we'll put links everywhere and you can find us and you can be a contributor, be a part of this podcast. You can be a flat foot. We will love you for being a flat foot. You can be a gumshoe. We will love you for being a gumshoe. Or you can be a private dick and you know how much we love those. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, her more than me. <laughs> I like being a private dick. Uh, You're an accessory to loving private dicks. I absolutely <laughs> Just like I'm an accessory to horribleness. <laughs> and there are going to be more Patreon levels to come. Yes, it's more not- Patreon levels to come. And we might have a little giveaway coming up because I got a little something in the mail that I would like to mail out to you. So it's we a have- private dick. <laughs> Not that kind of podcast. <laughs> so yeah, uh, just wait for it. We're gonna, we're gonna. That'll be coming up. Maybe in the next couple of weeks, we'll announce it once we figure out exactly how we want to work that. But it'll be something that you can enjoy. That is old timey Grammy. So. Absolutely. And you know what? There is so much more to come. We are discussing right now uh, T-shirt possibilities. We are discussing mm-hmm. logo possibilities. If you have any suggestions for us, something that you'd like to see, please let us know. Uh, get on our social media. Media. Get get next to us. Hold us. Love us. Take care <laughs> cuddle of us. me. Cuddle me. Please. I'm so lonely. <laughs> I mean, I have a husband, but <laughs> I don't have a husband. <laughs> we already heard him say he doesn't like private dicks. What were exactly, you thinking? Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, give us suggestions. We would love to hear what you might want to see on a T-shirt. We have some ideas already, but I'm not gonna give them out just in case we decide to use them as unveiling surprises type things later. So, so I. Th- Think, and there's also always our Amazon wish list, uh, which you can also find on our social media. And we, Dear God, we're getting busy. Yes, we are. There is a lot going on, as you can see from my bullet journal, which I just started doing again because I was like, I can't keep everything straight in my head. I have so many different things to do. <laughs> so, yeah. So, please, we are so glad that you're here, and we would love for you to uh, help us out. If not... That's cool, too. Just your listenership, honestly. Exactly. Just you putting those earbuds in your ears and picking us out of all the other podcasts. We really appreciate. And we love ya. So I think that has been it. I think so. Remember, if there's somebody knocking at your window and they turn out to be a brown emaciated mummy with fangs and glowing eyes, just keep the shutters closed and scream for the love of God. (laughs) Scream! Scream! All right. We'll see you next week. Take care. Bye. My sources for the Kroglin Grange Vampire are 
Paul Adams, uh, an article on the Spooky Isles, Sankalan Badia, uh, an article on Facts Legend, of course, Wikipedia, uh, Augustus Hare, the story of my life, and uh, Les Hewitt from Historic Mysteries, The Vampire of Croglin Grain from the uh, Unexplained Mysteries, and James Malcolm Reimer, the story Barney the Vampire. Ooh, my, my sources for the Croglin Grange Vampire are factslegend.org, historicmysteries.com, wikipedia.org, militaryfactory.com, geni.com, and out of this world, the illustrated library of the bizarre and extraordinary, volume 6.